Welcome to Adventures in Blockchain. This is a brand new podcast. This is the first episode where we're going to talk about how to get started with blockchain development. So I'm Gregory from DAP University, and I've got a couple of uh, panelists with me today, uh, co-panelists, Roman and Bruno here. We're going to talk about our stories about how we got started in blockchain development, and that's going to kind of shed some light on how you might be able to start as well. We're going to be kind of, you know, giving our stories and some tips and tricks that we've learned along the ways and, uh, you know, try to give you some insight about how you can break into the industry or if you're already started, you know, how you can accelerate your learning process and things like that. So I'm going to introduce my co-panelists today. We'll start with Roman. Um, so Roman, I'm excited to be on the show with you. And also Bruno, you want to kind of uh, catch everybody up on your, you know, biography or, you know, your, your resume or whatever you really want to tell the people out there listening. Uh, introduce yourself, Roman. Hi, everyone. Uh, hello, my crypto friends. I'm Roman Storm, and um, I do blockchain development and security consulting. And today I would like to tell you how I got started and what I would like to uh, recommend to newcomers who want to get in into blockchain, who is asking yourself, like, what is a blockchain? How can, can I get started as a developer? So my, my path was um, quite interesting to me. Like, uh, I was a social engineer uh, before. Uh, I worked in a Silicon Valley startups uh, in San Francisco for big and large companies. And at some point, I was really wanted to build a startup myself. And I quit my full-time job and start going to meetups, meet some cool people. And then I heard this thing called Bitcoin. Um, at first, I quickly read about it and I really didn't get, didn't understand anything about it. I'm like, okay, it's some kind of virtual money, some kind of coin. I thought maybe it's some similar technology to like what payment processors are, like Stripe or, uh, you know, PayPal. Um, but then I met some other people from Silicon Valley who were, who told me more about Bitcoin and there were some small meetups. Uh, so I guess the question how I got started is that I just started interacting with people who were already in the blockchain space by going to meetups and like basically getting some news about it. Then one, one person uh, proposed me an idea like, why don't we try to build a Bitcoin wallet? I'm like, okay, yeah. And uh, I had no idea how to do it. And uh, what you basically do, I went to bitcoin.something.org, I believe. And you basically download the wallet and you buy your first cryptocurrency. Uh, you just basically transact to use the actual technology. I think that's the first logical way to start is just to understand how it works and to have your wallet and just to use it as a currency. Uh, then you can you can kind of see all sorts of details. Okay, you downloaded the wallet, there is some sort of seed phrase or at that time there was no seed phrase, it just was like a private key, like a keychain. Especially in Bitcoin, there are, like, there are multiple addresses so it was for me, it was hard to understand that there is no like a single account. You can, you can actually have like multiple accounts. 
and especially with a UTXO model. I'm sorry, yeah, UTXO is an unspent transaction output. That's just uh, one of the models that is used in Bitcoin blockchain. We can talk about that later. Uh, basically, when you send a transaction in there, uh, you don't receive your change to the same account. That was really, really weird for me. And I, I was like trying to read it. Okay, how does this work? Um, so I guess curiosity is a probably mandatory skill that you should have uh, to really be curious and ask questions and just like join some communities online um, where you can engage with people. So anyway, uh, when I built my first uh, Bitcoin wallet, it was just a web wallet uh, in HTML5 and I believe I used some of the code from CoinPunk. Coin there was some kind of open source wallet called CoinPunk. Um, and I just wrapped it around uh, making a, a, like Android app and iOS app using uh, WebView and PhoneGap frameworks. Anyway, that was my kind of first step. Then I, uh, I heard about some other meetups. Um, it was like blockchain university in Mountain View. I mean, it wasn't really university. It was just like a meetup called that way. Um, where I met a bunch of really good and smart people. And that's when I heard about Ethereum. Uh, that's when I remember I interacted with Ethereum when Ethereum was, had just a common line interface and you got some Ether and I, I deployed my first smart contract, Hello World. And at that time, I kind of realized, okay, so now I can have a backend with a function name and anyone in the world can call this function without any sort of like downloading backend or anything like that. And I'm like, wow, that's, that is something. Uh, so it wasn't about the money to me. It was like, I was seeing the technology behind the Ethereum. Then I really didn't know what to do with it. So I gave up and went to my uh, web 2.0 <laughs> path uh, again, uh, like just doing some like startup, like building Chrome extensions, doing front-end development and JavaScript. Then blockchain, um, <laughs> blockchain space was started growing in terms of price, speculations, development. And I was seeing some, reading some news about like some people raised a bunch of money in ICO world and like, wow, like how do they do it? How does it actually work? Like how can you raise money in seconds without any sorts of, uh, you know, platforms or, you know, regulations? Um, then I learned about that. Okay, people actually use Ethereum as the um, fundraising platform and they sell some tokens. So at first, I, I have to admit, uh, I felt like those people are some kind of really smart people. They are building their own cryptocurrency on top of Ethereum that must be really, really complicated. That's what I initially felt. When I first built my own like ERC20 token, ERC20 token is like a standard in Ethereum where pretty much everybody is using right now. Um, 
to issue your own cryptocurrency on top of Ethereum. When I learned that, I'm like, really? It's just a, like a hash table with a few um, dictionaries, like, like your address and your balance and some functions to transfer this balance. That's pretty much it. That's like a one smart contract with 90 lines of code. And that's, that's how powerful this technology is that you can, with this amount of code and knowledge, you can build your own like small token. And then people realize that like, uh, I mean, speculators, they can uh, build an even smarter smart contract. Like you can have your token and you can sell this token right away, accepting ether to sell that cryptocurrency. And then I saw lots of issues, lots of bugs that people were losing money. And that's when I realized that I should quit my job and I should just provide um, security consulting for those companies because I, I don't know, I kind of naturally uh, saw those issues and told the people, okay, you should fix this, you should fix that. And people were asking me, you know, okay, can I, can I hire you? Can, I, can you do the security audit for me? Can you take a look at that? And that's how I got stuck. I think that's, that's it. Yeah, very cool. That's an awesome story, Roman. Um, so yeah, Bruno, uh, awesome to have you on the podcast as well today as a co-panelist. Um, Bruno, you want to kind of give us a little bit about your background and how you also got started in blockchain? Awesome. Um, so hi, Gregory. Hello, everyone. Hi, Roman. Um, so I basically started development in, five years ago at um, high school, sort of. Um, it was a technician school and, uh, I figured that I, it was something that I really wanted to do. And quickly after that, I got a job and everything. And, um, I started working with blockchain, uh, on my previous job, uh, at the beginning of 2019, in December, 2018, actually. And, um, I was working at a company that developed disruptive with disruptive technologies, and, uh, you know, using AI and machine learning and, you know, all those new thingies that we see now. And um, they wanted to do a, a blockchain app and they had a um, really big partner here in, in Brazil. Um, and they were doing a um, solution for blockchain in the uh, blockchain for business area. So... I didn't even know what blockchain was um, before that, um, but I really wanted to, you know, be part of the project. So I kind of forced myself into, you know, talk with my boss and like, hey, can you put me into that blockchain project? I really want to, you know, focus on that and work with those people. And um, I turned out to be the sort of like technical lead on that project, um, you know, helping the the um, the decision making and everything for that project in specific. Um, but what I what I learned is that blockchain is so much more than cryptocurrencies. And I actually never owned uh, a single like Bitcoin or whatever cryptocurrency. I've never owned a wallet, um, but I've been working with blockchain specifically with Hyperledger 
uh, Hyperledger Fabric and Hyperledger Composer to create um, networks and decentralized applications for businesses solutions. Um, so that's sort of like my background. Um, as you can tell, I haven't worked uh, years with that yet. And it's still, a, I wouldn't say shady, but like a gray area where you don't really know where to look for resources. Um, there isn't a lot of resources other than the official documentations for the, the frameworks that you use. Um, so you just kind of have to go into the trial and error thing with this um, blockchain for business and and that's basically my my background and um, yeah I think we can talk more about that um, you know what blockchain is and how to get started in development uh, later on very cool awesome yeah thanks for that Bruno all right so I guess I'll uh, go next here so yeah I'm Gregory from DAP University and I guess I'll talk about, you know, how I got started uh, in blockchain. Um, maybe we'll back up just a little bit, you know, so I'm a self-taught programmer, uh, kind of started out doing really just basic websites, you know, many, many years ago, uh, not even really necessarily knowing how to code, just kind of hacking things together and, you know, creating websites for, for clients, you know, business owners. They didn't necessarily care if, if uh, <laughs> I knew what I was doing as long as, you know, what they got worked. Uh, so that's kind of how I got started in uh, anything technical. And I got to a point where I wanted to know more, right? I wanted to actually become a real programmer and learn how to build uh, things for real. So I, you know, started just, I just dived in or dove in, um, you know, headfirst and started learning, you know, back in web development, uh, full stack, really. And I'm just the product of mostly online learning resources and just experience. I didn't go to college for computer science. Um, I didn't go to a boot camp or anything like that. Just mostly self-taught. I had some mentors here and there along the way who I also worked with. Um, but the meat of everything that I've learned over the course of my career has just been online learning resources. So that's how I also learned blockchain. You know, um, I got interested in blockchain by watching cryptocurrency prices. That's how it caught my attention. Uh, I think that's true for a lot of other people as well. Um, and yeah, I mean, that was my initial uh, intro to blockchain was watching Bitcoin price go up and then learning about other cryptocurrencies. And, you know, I just like a lot of people, I was interested in, in investing and, and getting returns off of uh, that speculation. But uh, in addition to that, I wanted to learn more about the technology. And that's when I got into Ethereum and learned about what Ethereum could do. And, you know, when I started trying to learn it, I went down the path that I did with everything else, which was just try to teach myself online. And, you know, like Bruno mentioned, a lot of the resources out there uh, right now are scarce. And I had a hard time finding good resources outside of the official documentation about how to learn, um, you know, blockchain programming, blockchain development. Um, and so when I did that and I had that issue, uh, you know, I saw an opportunity, right? I saw an opportunity to uh, create those resources for other people. Um, you know, you'll, you'll find pretty quickly if you come from a, a background like, you know, web development, say you're like a Python programmer or a JavaScript programmer, 
um, you know, you're going to feel pretty spoiled or you're going to realize how spoiled you are in those universes uh, when you can basically just Google anything and find pages of, you know, blog posts about how to, you know, do mostly basic stuff in your uh, ecosystem. And that was not the experience that I had when I tried to get into blockchain. It was like even some of the simplest things, there weren't really blog posts about how to do it um, or like instructional videos, whatever. And, and the, a lot of the ones that were existed uh, were pretty out of date because the tools were changing so fast. So that was kind of the opportunity that I saw. And uh, out of that, I created my website and YouTube channel, DAP University, to teach programmers how to build blockchain technology. Um, so I started with my first uh, kind of big tutorial where I you know, kind of teach people how to build their first decentralized application with Ethereum, show them how to write uh, you know, Ethereum smart contracts, create a you know, front end that talks to those smart contracts, write tests against them, deploy it to a blockchain, uh, it's really kind of your primer for getting into you know, blockchain. And that's kind of was my first video. And it's still like one of my most watched tutorials. Uh, it's got a full length blog article as well, finished the video. And it, it, it kind of took off. I think part of that was timing, um, you know, with a big ICO boom and the big Bitcoin boom at the end of 2017, I guess. I think I'm getting the years right. Um, kind of, you got a lot of steam from that. People were su super interested. That's like when CryptoKitties was also like clogging up the Ethereum network. And so I think people were pretty hungry to learn. And that's kind of really what helped, uh, you know, the channel come out swinging and it's, it's grown, you know, quite a bit over the past, you know, year and a half or so. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of how I got started with blockchain and also kind of how I started uh, DAP University as well. And, you know, since we're on the topic of how do you, you know, learn blockchain, how do you get started? Uh, uh, you know, <laughs> shameless plug for that resource. You know, I created it uh, as a way to, you know, teach people how to do, to give people the resources I didn't have when I started. So that's me, um, how I got started. And that's a little uh, tidbit on how you can find some resources that didn't exist when I got in. So <laughs> um, awesome, guys. So I think that gives everybody an intro. Um, let's maybe talk about some other questions um, that people might have if they're trying to get into blockchain. You know, if you're talking about where you're starting from or how you're getting started, it's important to kind of, you know, maybe clarify where you're starting from and how that could potentially uh, inform your approach to getting into blockchain. You guys have any thoughts on that? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so the thing is, like when, like I said, when I started, um, I basically, like I was in a company that was developing a project for blockchain for business. And um, I think that um, a really big point towards blockchain is the affinity that you have with the project that you're working with. Um, so there's a lot of um, a lot of talk, a lot of hype around uh, cryptocurrencies, Bitcoin, Ethereum, um, and that's a like I think for me personally, that's one part of what a blockchain can achieve, and. For some people, maybe cryptocurrencies aren't, you know, what brings them to, to blockchain. So I think that um, one important thing to understand is what the blockchain technology is and what you, you can achieve with it. 
um, you know, seeing, for example, if you think about the uh, Uber app or Airbnb app, for example, you if you create an app uh, using blockchain for that, you can basically take out the um, the service fee that Uber and Airbnb charges because you're basically creating an app where everyone agrees, you know, to provide the service and the blockchain sort of like reassures that the service is there and that it's going to work and that the transactions are what they are um, because the blockchain is immutable. It's focused on security and transparency and it's decentralized. So I think that understanding that concept is the first step to like, okay, from here, where do I go? Do I go towards cryptocurrencies? Do I go towards blockchain for business? Am I going to create a game with blockchain? You know, I think that the first thing to do is understand that first main concept of blockchain itself. Yes, and I, as I already said before, uh, besides understanding the theory, also try to use the actual technology like let's say um, you can install Trust Wallet, it's a mobile Ethereum wallet, and interact with some decentralized applications that uh, that are listed out there. Uh, in there, I think it's disabled for iOS, but for Android, there are a bunch of uh, URLs that you can find, and like that experience, the moment when you open some web page and click a button and it asks you to sign a transaction. That's one of the essential things that you need to understand what is actually happening, like why some application, or if you're on a web browser, you have this weird extension called MetaMask. Uh, and of course, I'm a little bit biased towards Ethereum blockchain technologies. There are a bunch of others like Cosmos Network, uh, Polkadot, uh, EOS blockchain. I mean, th those are just the names, but oh, one essential thing uh, is the same, like for them, is uh, what a blockchain is, is what Bruno is trying to say, is this like distributed database and how people are making transactions and why, why this is very important to understand that those transactions are not um, mutable, nobody can reverse those transactions, and some blockchains, they're being criticized for centralization and how people are trying to come up with new methods, how to still have the like uh, scalable blockchain with the same level of security and trust. When I say security, I mean um, that nobody can execute an attack or it's not like nobody there are always possibilities that somebody can execute an attack against a blockchain it's just the matter how how much is, is it gonna cost so for example if somebody wants to execute an attack on bitcoin is it possible yes totally uh is it expensive Yes, uh, I guess it's going to be very expensive, like you would have to have uh, billions of dollars to execute this successfully. And it's probably going to not worth it for you because you're going to lose a lot of money. Uh, and some networks, they have been already attacked and exploited for, uh, for profit. 
anyway, just to finalize the Bruno state uh, statement, use like install some sort of wallet for your favorite blockchain, engage with the network, make your first transaction, and you will learn a lot from it. Yeah, totally. I think that's great. Um, I'm even going to go back a, a step previous to to Roman's suggestion here. Uh, I like both of those. You know, Bruno, I think, has an experience that's probably different from a lot of people who are already in blockchain, which was he he got in without even using any cryptocurrency. Um, and my every time someone asks me about how to get started in blockchain, I almost always point them towards cryptocurrency. Um, I'm not saying necessarily this is the best way to do it. I'll just kind of give you my uh, opinion on on the advantages. Um, it's kind of the, it's the lowest barrier of entry uh, in a lot of ways. Um, I mean, unless you unless you know having to upload your ID to a cryptocurrency exchange is is, is a bit of a barrier of entry. I, I get that as well. Um, but basically, just buying a very small amount of cryptocurrency, like the amount that you would spend on a cup of coffee, literally, you know, like, so there's, there's very little risk to you, um, to get started. And here's why, uh, you know, you're going to have skin in the game at that point. Um, it's not a lot of skin, especially if you're just talking about a cup of coffee. Um, but once you actually put some money into it, you'll, you'll take it more seriously probably than if you're, you know, just going to go around and, and click buttons. Um, it's, it's not a lot of money. So you're not going to, you know, waste much if you potentially compromise your wallet or lose your private key or you, you, you lose your funds in some way. Um, and then like basically just sending that cryptocurrency somewhere to store or to use or for whatever. Right. And whenever you do that, uh, it's going to give you an idea of what the user experience is like on blockchain right now, which will give you kind of a realistic expectation uh, for what, you know, you can expect when you get into blockchain and how people use them. Um, and you're going to get the high level uh, experience first, and then you can sort of drill down into the technical experience. So whenever you send that transaction of whatever cryptocurrency you bought, whether it's Bitcoin or Ether, um, you're, all these blockchains are going to have block explorers. And whenever you send that transaction, you can go look at the details of that transaction. And from that uh, vantage point, you can actually kind of ask other questions. Okay, so what are these blocks that I'm looking at on this block explorer? What do they mean? What are these bundles? What are these, you know, what are these block numbers? What are these block times? What are all this stuff? Um, and it's sort of like looking at the vocabulary words that are contained in the word cloud of the thing you want to understand and sort of almost like using... Uh, I don't know guys know if you're familiar with the Feynman technique about how to learn information. Uh, but that's kind of the idea is like you just clarify what these things mean until the concept comes alive to you. And then you'll have a much better picture of what a blockchain is and how it works. Because, uh, you know, fundamentally is a ledger and cryptocurrency is, you know, a major use case for blockchain right now. And uh, I think the, the paradigm of, of cryptocurrency is probably the easiest way to understand and justify a ledger system um, and kind of using that model, I think is probably the fastest way to understand how blockchain works, at least, at least for how I like to learn. Um, and I've, but I've also helped this scene. I've also seen this help other people quite a bit as well. So that's kind of my two cents. And from there you can go on to using like, like, and once you know that it'd be a lot easier to like 
open up a DAP browser and use a DAP because you've already done a transaction before and you can kind of take up the next step of using decentralized applications and uh, all that kind of stuff. But that's, that's kind of my sense. Totally. Yeah. A lot of solid blockchains, they, they will provide the testnet. So you don't even have to buy any cryptocurrency. You can, testnet is like a, a test environment uh, for production uh, for production blockchain. So for example, Ethereum has multiple testnets. It's like one of the oldest and one of the new, new newest. And the way they work is you can just go, the, go uh, like Google the testnet that you want to interact with, find the um, faucet. Faucet is just basically, it gives you like a free fake coins that you can use with your wallet so you can make a, your own transaction. And Bitcoin has a testnet and many other major networks, they all have testnets. So you don't have to be committed financially to learn about blockchain and to interact with the blockchain. Yeah, that's a good point, Roman. Uh, I actually like that, especially as a revision to, uh, you know, it all maybe an alternative to kind of what I was talking about. Like if you don't want to go through a cryptocurrency exchange to buy actual real money, um, I think that's a good idea for people who want to maybe modify their approach a little bit. Uh, also, I'll, just, I'll add on to that. Um, you know, Roman, you know, mentioned how all these different blockchains have test networks. Uh, the ones that do test have test networks are going to give you a pretty indicator of the ones that have a developer community behind them, um, which I would highly recommend going with a blockchain that has a developer community behind it, uh, unless you want to create that developer community yourself. Um, and also, uh, one of the reasons I think cryptocurrency is a really great way to get started is the basic, you, you know, most of, these block, most of these public blockchain implementations have a native cryptocurrency. And so many of them are going to fundamentally work in a, about the same way, right? From a high level, they're going to about work the same way. And just understanding that basic uh, mechanism that they share in common is going to kind of give you the high level understanding of how, how a blockchain ledger system works. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's um, like you said, Gregory, um, it's a, a really nice point to start, um, you know, because cryptocurrencies are, basically the best um, use case for blockchain that we know of today. Um, but one thing about blockchain that I want to uh, iterate is that even though it's not necessarily new per se for, for our um, uh, current standards, but it is one of the newest technologies that we know of. Um, you know, it's it's been introduced in 2008 um, in 2009 with Bitcoin, um, you know, it gained traction a few years ago. Um, but what gave it traction were the cryptocurrencies. And I think that right now where the shift is happening to, towards the blockchain for businesses and like, what are the other uh, use cases that we can do with blockchain? And I think that's the main reason why we don't have uh, you know, that big of a community for blockchain for business is because we don't know what can we do with blockchain for business. Uh, we know that, okay, we can maybe do something in the medical area where you can 
keep track of your medical records, um, thinking about them as your assets. And all of the doctors in the whole world can have access to that medical um, record, to those medical records uh, in an immutable and secure way. Um, we can also shift that towards uh, government. For example, I think Dubai is doing something on a, I think it's called Dubai Smart City Project, where they're working on, you know, like contracts and uh, I don't know, I want to rent uh, um, an apartment or buy a house or something. I can use a blockchain based system for that. And those um, use cases are only now getting to, you know, starting to uh, come out to the world and we're seeing, okay, this works, this doesn't work. And but they are like the core of blockchain itself. Um, but like you said, uh, cryptocurrency is the easiest way to get into that because when I did learn about blockchain, I was using Hyperledger, uh, Hyperledger Fabric, Hyperledger Composer. And, you know, they have a bunch of concepts and terminology like assets, ledgers, smart contracts, chain code. They have a lot of terminologies. And the only place where you can really learn about that is on the documentation because there isn't enough people doing it so that you can learn from other sources in a reliable manner. Um, so you kind of have to tinker with it yourself. And that for me, it was pretty good because I like tinkering with, with stuff, but I can see how the learning cur curve is way steeper than just going into cryptocurrencies and already like from the get-go, already understanding how it works and what are the benefits for that use case. So, but I think it's important to, you know, always keep in mind that there are plenty of other use cases for, for blockchain and try to look, you know, for different places like, okay, there's Hyperledger, there's a few different frameworks for um, blockchain and what do they do, What what is different. Um, and one word, one concept that differs like a huge amount from blockchain to blockchain is the consensus algorithm. And how do you keep track, like how do you keep that immutability and that security that you want to achieve with your blockchain? And there's plenty of algorithms that you can use for public networks, for private networks, for uh, mixed networks. So try to dive into that and, you know, all of the use cases of of blockchain and how people are working with blockchain itself. I think it's a good, um, you know, um, second step maybe after you've learned about cryptocurrencies and how to transact and how does that work. And then you dive deeper a little bit into how to create a different um, use case that is not um, cryptocurrencies. Totally. And uh, just to add to that point, um, when somebody tells me, well, but blockchain is all hype, it doesn't work, and people just speculate on, on it and make some money without the actual use case. Here's what I think, like, let's say, well, to the Bruno's point, um, like, when you interact with a, any, or any, if you use any medical uh, service, Basically, right now, currently, if I go to some office, I would have to fill out a lot of information about myself on a piece of paper 
that I don't even know how they store and what kind of security mechanism they use to protect my data. Let's say, you know, you fill out your all your address, your uh, you give them the copy of your ID, your social security number if you're in the United States. I mean, that's a lot of private data already, and nobody knows how. Let's say you go to the like small dentist office, and they store this personal data about you. How do you think they uh, they care about the security of their information? I mean, they of course they do, but not as the level of you know let's say tech companies like Google or Facebook, uh, like how much they care to protect that data, even though those big companies they still at the risk to you know for, from from hackers to steal that data, and we're already kind of learning that our personal information and data is the asset. It's not just some information that you give out to somebody. And it's very important to keep it private and safe. And uh, one of the ways blockchain can solve that, for example, is let's say you go to an office, they access some public blockchain where using like something like zero knowledge proofs, they can see that I have a valid social security number without knowing my social security number or that I'm over 25 years old without knowing how old I am, actually. That's something what blockchain can do and it can be used today. It just hasn't been adopted that very much, but the technology is constantly going into that direction, like, uh, you know, making, uh, providing publicly auditable blockchains with privacy, I would say. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one key thing for that, um, you know, security layer that blockchain provides is the history of an asset or the accountability or whatever you want to call it. But um, the main thing is like, if you have your medical records today in the medical records example, um, Using blockchain, you can see everything that happened to that medical, uh, to those medical records since the start of those medical records. And that happens because of the immutability of data inside the blockchain, which basically means that you don't delete or um, change the data that's inside the blockchain. If you want to do that, you have to add another block of history. So the blockchain is a um, literally a chain of, of uh, a lot of blocks that hold information about something that's happened. Uh, in the case of a cryptocurrency, for example, there are transactions. So say that the first block says that, okay, given um, that Bruno has one Bitcoin in his wallet, he transacts half of that Bitcoin to Roman. Uh, that is a transaction and the transaction might create a block and though all of the blocks on the blockchain are linked together via cryptography. So they have a lot of crypto hashes that are generated um, and some of them use even algorithms like a Merkle tree to decide which is the state of the blockchain. Um, but the main thing is everything inside the blockchain is crypto cryptographic cryptographic anyways um, it's crypto it's in a cryptographic manner and they're all connected so you can see okay if 
there was a change in my medical records uh, one year ago. I can see exactly what the change was, what was the difference that it made in the rest of the blockchain and who made that change because everything is signed. Um, so yeah, that's the main point of the immutability and the security that a blockchain provides. Yeah, totally. I think that's uh, a good follow-up too. And, you know, I'm going to try to kind of stand in between maybe what Roman and Bruno are saying and maybe clarify some things for the listeners. Um, you know, so I think a lot of people are wondering, you know, what is the current state of blockchain? Like, do we have use cases? What do we use it for? What are we going to be able to use it for? Um, so I think, you know, kind of based upon what Roman and Bruno are saying, I also want to clarify that they're kind of hitting this a little bit from different angles, you know, uh, for everybody, you know, Bruno, he talked about this, about, you know, talk about blockchain for business and working with Hyperledger and things like that. And Roman's talking about working with public blockchains primarily, um, you know, these kinds of things solve different problems. Um, and also, you know, how I, high level, how I would characterize the, the ecosystem of blockchain. Uh, I mean, I'm, I'm very bullish on blockchain. I'm here for the, for the long run. Um, oh, I, I don't think speculative captures the entire meaning. I think blockchain is somewhat speculative in that we're trying to figure out everything that it can do. Um, but like Roman talked about, we have use cases right now. You know, we can, A, you know, cryptocurrency, I think we all see that that's the case. Uh, cryptocurrency being a major use case. Um, but, you know, Roman's talking about how we can verify things with zero knowledge proofs. Like we could probably get into the entire episode about that another time um, to solve this issue of privacy. There's all kinds of things we're trying to solve with um, blockchain. And, you know, Bruno's kind of talking about another other aspect of that too. And so I think, I think where we're at right now is cryptocurrency is a clear use case. Uh, we're still trying to figure out, you know, a lot of things in that world as well, but we do have, we have solved some other problems that have not, uh, scaled out into massive solutions that are widely, widely adopted. This is kind of what Roman's talking about, um, as well. And, you know, I think we're also trying to figure out, you know, where can this go? What are all the problems that we can solve? Well, we've got some good ones solved right now. <laughs> T totally. And I think the, probably the first and simplest use case that people are trying to solve right now is to use cryptocurrency as the cryptocurrency. And it's a very simple use case, but still it hasn't been adopted very much. I mean, it has, it has some use cases and usage right now, like in certain areas, for example, like cross-border uh, payments solution. And there is a lot of business going on and it doesn't have to be darknet. It can be like a normal transaction. Yes, people use it. And uh, that's what some misconception people have right now. I mean, people who never uh, work with blockchain that it's been used for illegal activities. And uh, I, th I think that's not the case anymore. Um, I heard it somewhere like 90% of transactions are actually used for normal cases. Like, let's say you have your relatives live in other country and you just want to send a cross-border payment and let's say it would be a larger amount of payment, more than $10,000 transaction. Uh, if you use the regular banks, it's going to be a little bit complicated and the process could be tedious. 
uh, having those layers of um, security built in in all traditional uh, banking systems. And cryptocurrency gives you more freedom and uh, speed and transaction cost if you if you consider just that simple scenario. Send like large amounts of money across borders is much simpler with blockchain. Yeah, totally. Yeah, very cool. Well, um, I'm going to kind of move us on to maybe our final point, and then we'll kind of close down our discussion today, which is, you know, just some starting point. You know, we talked about, uh, you know, buying cryptocurrency as a way to get in and start using the blockchain. We talked about how we've done it. Bruno talked about how he did it as well. Um, but maybe give some people some pointers and some resources to get started. If they just like listen to this episode and want to go home and, you know, not just buy crypto, but maybe even play around with some code, how can they do it? I'll start us off uh, with a pretty uh, simple, shameless plug. Uh, I've got a start here playlist on my YouTube channel. Uh, if you just look up DAP University on YouTube or you look up Ethereum DAP tutorial, if you want to learn how to build an Ethereum uh, DAP, uh, that's that's one that the, at least the internet has uh, confirmed is probably one of the better places to start. Um, you know, just kind of teach you how to, you know, what is a smart contract? What is a blockchain? I answer all those questions up front, uh, kind of show you how wallets work, how accounts work, how to, you know, write your first smart contract and plug it up to a web application. Um, so that's what I would recommend. Um, you, so maybe let's hear Bruno's take since he's coming from more of a blockchain for business world. Bruno, can you point some people towards some resources uh, to maybe learn some types of things that you've learned? Sure, sure, of course. Um, so my first um, contact with uh, blockchain for business was with Hyperledger. Um, it's a big framework that it's currently under the Linux Foundation. And one of the key players for Hyperledger is IBM. So you can basically see like IBM is doing a huge effort to sort of bring blockchain closer to, to businesses. Um, they even have a project called Fruit Trust um, that um, I don't know if it's open source or not, but I think they're already in um, testing stages in China or something. Um, and um, IBM is doing a lot of work towards that. So it has a lot of resources for that. If you go to ibm.com, you can see uh, they have a few boot camps, a few training exercises for that. Um, but where I started was with Hyperledger Composer on the playground. They have a playground online where you can create your own blockchain solutions. Uh, you can start developing using JavaScript. You develop the chain code, which is similar to the smart contracts on Ethereum. It's basically your business logic. And you develop those chain codes along with some data restrictions, you know, what do you want your application to do? And you can start using it right then and there online on the playground. So it's on, I think it's composer-playground.mybluemix.net. Or you can just go to Hyperledger Composer, Google it, and you're going to find the, the playground. Uh, another resource that I really use a lot especially because they have a lot of tutorials on Hyperledger, is BlockGeeks. Um, I don't know if any of you heard of it, but um, BlockGeeks 
they have a really good solution for blockchain. Uh, they sell courses uh, and everything. And um, they do have a lot of tutorials on Hyperledger Fabric and Hyperledger Composer itself. And that was sort of the main starting point for me. Um, and yeah, towards that business end of blockchain, I think those are the um, the main um, um, links that you can go to and the main resources that you can find. Very cool. Maybe Roman, do you have any ideas of uh, perhaps like some some projects that people might be interested in building or like some other ways, maybe a different something we haven't discussed that would be beneficial for people who just want to get their hands wet? There is uh, one community that uh, I should give a huge props up is called Open Zeppelin. That's one of my favorite and largest community in open Ethereum uh, ecosystem of smart contracts. So if you are looking like, uh, if, you, if you want to learn how to do, let's say, what kind of issues exist in the Solidity world, you can open any top popular uh, companies that provides security audits. Uh, one of them would be like OpenZeppelin, Trail of Bits, PepperSec. Um, so, and you can read the public audit reports and see what kind of issues were there, but I think that that's a little bit more te technical. If you just want to get started, um, there are resources in the Ethereum space like um, you can open like online ID called remix.ethereum.org uh, where you can start uh, building your own first smart contract without even deploying to any testnet. There is like, uh, like a sandbox environment that you can use and understand how it works. And uh, on uh, YouTube, uh, yeah, I think DApp universities would be <laughs> the first place that you should visit uh, if you're a beginner. Uh, and Stack Overflow, Ethereum Stack Overflow has a bunch of uh, question and answers already answered for you, especially the beginner ones. Yeah, very cool. Also, Roman's got his own YouTube channel. I'm just going to plug that out there as well. He's also been on my YouTube channel several times. So, yeah. Yeah, very cool. Um, all right, guys. Well, I think that kind of is going to conclude our show for today. So, everybody, I think this is an awesome first episode. Um, I've enjoyed hearing some of the finer details of everyone else's kind of story, how they got into blockchain. I've learned some new things myself today. So, I've really enjoyed this chat. Um, everybody, you know, go uh, check out these resources that we've talked about. You know, Bruno talked about the Hyperledger resources. Uh, Roman talked about Open Zeppelin and Remix. And uh, I've talked about my own resources that I've created over at dappyuniversity.com. Um, so, yeah, everybody excited about this. Um, I'm sure we'll get into way more depth on these next episodes about, you know, blockchain use cases, how you can get started, you know, what kind of problems are people solving with blockchains, all that kind of stuff. So, I really look forward to these future episodes. Um, that's going to conclude our first episode today of uh, Adventures in Blockchain. So, stay tuned for next time. All right, thanks. Bye. Bandwidth for this segment is provided by Cashfly, the world's fastest CDN. Deliver your content fast with Cashfly. Visit C-A-C-H-E-F-L-Y dot com to learn more.